Hi everyone and welcome back to Sensational, the Special Educational Needs Podcast which is brought to you by Withersack Group. My name is Molly, Marketing and Events Officer for the group and today I'm joined by one of our head teachers, Susan Gill from our Bridgeway School in Lancashire. Today's podcast is all about special educational needs schools, what makes them unique, how we tailor the curriculums and how to support young people on the transition from mainstream to a special school. So without further ado, let's get started with today's podcast. So Sue, do you want to start by telling us a bit about your background working in mainstream schools? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining the podcast. Um, yeah, um, lovely introduction there, Molly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm Sue Gill. I've been working in education for quite a number of years now. I think I'm in my 26th year, um, and I started within education within the mainstream sector. Um, my last position within mainstream was as a deputy head teacher, um, but I always worked with, I was always an active uh, SENCO within the school. Um, and also worked with, uh, looked after children and children who were um, registered as pupil premium young people. Um, so yeah, I've spent predominantly most of my career within mainstream, uh, but working with uh, children with additional needs. Yeah, perfect. So for this next question, I want you to take yourself back to working in one of those mainstream schools. So you might have noticed that one of your pupils is really struggling and you've realised that you can no longer meet the needs. As a pupil, what would you say are some of the benefits of making the transition from mainstream to an SEN school? Okay, um, since um, my awareness of that has obviously hugely increased having now working within the specialist needs sector, which is just essential for, for, for children with additional needs. I think the, the the benefits are absolutely huge. If you've got a, if there's a parent out there who, if you're actually wondering whether the transition from a, a mainstream uh, to a specialist provision is the right thing to do, um, the, the benefits are huge. We've got smaller classes, for instance, mm-hmm. and doesn't mean to say we're not still aspirational. I mean, here we're very very aspirational in terms of what we want our children uh, to leave with. Um, with the current cohort that we've got in years ten and eleven, they're able to do GCSEs. Mm-hmm. Um, the curriculum that's applied here, you could actually play it in a mainstream school. Here we do very, very, everything is bespoke. It is around the young person. We've got 56 learners. I can tailor make it to the young person. Every year, every academic year, there's something different that we're going to do because we've got a child who's got different needs and different interests mm-hmm. as well. So we can really tailor our teaching and learning around that. And one simple thing is to teach topics that are really of interest to young people so we we tune into to if they're if they're into a particular piece of it then we'll use that um, um or a topic we'll try and use that and apply that within teaching and learning so it's very much around that personalized approach um within within this setting um what i hear a lot about and i've witnessed it quite a lot myself is that within and it's certainly no disrespect to mainstream schools but a lot of children with additional needs or a lot of young people get agitated by what may be very low level that, that accumulates over time. So it may well be that they've got themselves into a huge amount of trouble for always having their shirt untucked. Mm. Um, so we, within within my school, that we, we, yes, my shirts aren't untucked, um, <laughs> but we, we deal with it in a different approach. We've got a smaller ch- uh, number of children. Uh, we use uh, positive behaviour support. Everything's always got a positive spin on that. So we I've seen children in mainstream get agitated over things where we perhaps could have just avoided it mm. and I'm sure there's a number of parents and carers out there nodding when I'm saying this and I, and, and I think it's a huge thing we need to address really. 
the ideal for me would be that every mainstream has spent some time in a specialist provision. I think that would be fantastic, uh, CPD. Um, but um, also here, um, I always use the, the, the example of we can stop the world, the young person needs to get off. So if, they're in an, if we've got a young person who's in an English class and actually they're not in the right frame of mind to be taught English, we can, we can say, right, come on out. Let's let's stop the world. You need to get off a little bit. We need to help you. We need to regulate you. We need for you to have some some time um, where you can then feel like you can go back into class. And we've got the we've got the facilities and the staff to be able to do that. And that is huge. I mean, our we had we've had uh, two years academic years with some really good GCSE results. That tells me that our children were engaged. That tells me that we got it right in so many other different areas because they've been able to go into the classroom and achieve the qualifications that they fully deserved. Um, the other thing that we do here that we're, um, I, I want to be able to uh, give our young people as many different experiences as possible. I'm always flying out new ideas um, just to give them that exposure. Um, and we talk a lot about awe and wonder as well. Um, we've got some of our young people who their preference is to stay in the bedroom and to stay on the computer and the world's a bit frightening so we do things like outdoor education which I've talked a lot about in the past and what we do in the autumn um, for our younger children is just let them we go to Lake District or wherever and they can just literally go through and throw up leaves and just spend some time in the open and that what we call awe and wonder going back to those things that we may have experienced as young people that really do um, inform your your childhood. So we connect, you know, we do climbing, we do fishing, um, we do canoeing, we do walking, we do all sorts of activities, um, and we do uh, we expose our children to as many things as we possibly can. I've just had the arrival of a gecko in school because a young person is really interested in that. So we've got other children looking at that, and and, and in order to, you know, um, you've got to. In order to feed that this little thing, yeah. this little beautiful gecko, <laughs> you've got to be really delicate. And the children are very considered in their approach. So it's another experience for for the young people. Um, the school's got to be aspirational as well. Yeah. I do believe every school should be aspirational. Yeah. As soon as the children walk through my door, I'm looking at their talents. And I always said, I've said it before, many other conferences, child walks through my door, they never apologise for who they are we celebrate that um and of course within certainly within my school and in specialist provisions we've got highly trained staff who are used to quite quite challenging behaviors mm. we're used to that we're trained for that it's all about it's not about us making judgments at all it's about a young person understanding more about themselves and then we can help regulate them yeah and that we can close that gap for them um i think that's one thing yeah, that so sorry. no no that's perffect i think that's one thing that surprised me when <laughs> i visited your school is that the, when there was a little bit of an escalation how quickly it was dealt with yeah. and it was almost like it didn't happen yeah it just got diffused so quickly absolutely and through different strategies with positive behavior support understanding uh, the young people listening listening to young people they feel in, when you've got in any walk of life if you've got a bigger community it's harder to listen isn't it if you've got yeah. classes of 30 to 35 in an 850 pupiled school that's huge yeah. isn't it? it's very hard to hear that young person's voice and the, and within a lot of children that have i've worked with who've come into the specialist special needs sector from mainstream mm. um they talk about that they were on they felt unheard 
and that's awful isn't it yeah. um but yeah i would say to any parents or carers have a look around specialist provision because i am very aspirational for our young people i've just had a lever um he's he's, he's coming up to two years on his left and he's just got an apprenticeship and a michelin star restaurant oh, amazing wow. yeah absolutely he came to us he had this interesting food and he's a very very talented young man and we knew that and now he's got yeah. an apprenticeship at a michelin star restaurant oh that's amazing i'm, I'm hoping for an invite i'll be honest yeah <laughs> i would be <laughs> oh, <laughs> so next, i know yeah so next question is um i think we've actually just answered that one so um uh, one of the daunting things about moving to any new school is adapting to the transition so in what ways can the school support both parents and pupils with the transition particularly thinking about the transition from a mainstream to an SEN school. Okay, yeah, so the key word you've used there is, is daunting and it is very, very daunting for that young person. And for me, that needs to be a personalised approach. Mm. And I would say is, encourage as many visits to the new school as possible. Um, and um, making sure that that you're listening to the young person and, and asking, you know, how else can we support this? Um, quite often young people will give some level of indication of how else they can feel more comfortable about that move. Um, it may well be that home visits will support with a key member of staff that they can then link into with at school. So they go around and visit the home. Virtual tours of the school, keep reassuring young person, mentioning teachers' names, showing the school website, using the, um, you mentioning a lot the school at home in different contexts as well. Um, we, we offer lots of social stories and booklets, but for me, it's about listening to the young person and finding out why do they feel daunting, uh, daunted by the prospect of that, that move, and how can we best support them and giving them those ingredients. I think that's crucial. And again, that all yeah. goes down to that personalised approach. Yeah, definitely. And do you, have, do you have any advice or strategies for parents to help their children prepare at home? Yeah, just touched on a few already there, but I think it's about yeah that conversation, how we present to our young people is really important. So you know, I might mm. walk into a situation and a young person's not happy, and they're making it very clear they're not happy, but it's okay. That's all right. I understand. Um, and showing calm and reassurance, I think young people, any human being, they can feed off your own body language and, and being yeah. mindful of that and that reassurance, that calming voice. Um, if they're, it's okay to name that emotion. You, you sound very mm -hmm. anxious about this move. How, how, can we, how can we support you with that? That's understandable. Um, so um, keep talking in a positive context. Keep talking about the routines and use visuals. Um, mm -hmm. Keep assessing how they're feeling. The, if you find that obviously you're talking about it more and that the anxieties are getting less and less, and that's working, isn't it? It may well be that yeah. you might be over talking it and they're getting more and more. So then you would just pull back on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, use the websites as I've mentioned. Visuals are key. Um, if you want, get a timetable from the the the, the, the school. Show them how the school day runs. They need to know times mm. and lessons and things like that. We always send out visuals, as many as possible. But in essence, you know your child. Speak to, to the school and tell them what you need. Yeah, perfect. And then when you think about your school, so Bridgeway School, can you tell us a bit more about the way that the curriculum is taught? I know that we've touched on this earlier and how it is adapted to meet your young people's needs. Absolutely, yeah. I've I, I mentioned it before. I always use the word aspirational. I mean, we reach for the stars. I know it's a bit 
it sounds a bit cheesy but it's what we do we are we're really ambitious so that young man walks into mm. my my school when he was in sort of uh, year nine and I could see talent there and now he's at a Michelin star yeah. restaurant so it's been really really aspirational for our young people and then giving that you know um, making sure that our curriculum meets their needs so the cohort coming into year seven it may well be that the the key stage four curriculum is not appropriate for them. So we will adapt that over the years. Yeah. Um, I've got some um, subject leads who work with the nature, nurture teachers. So I've got nurture teachers who teach all of the subjects in year seven, but my English, my maths teacher, my science teacher, all the other teachers feed into those nurture. Uh, and the, the English lead will make sure that the curriculum is all sequenced and that, that, that obviously the content in there is appropriate for those groups. In terms of that adaptation, um, it may well be that a particular cohort needs more visuals, needs more recall work, um, needs more activities, more scaffolding. Um, and we do lots of training around that. Teaching and learning is very, very important. Um, what mm. uh, when I'm walking around the school, I want to be seeing children engaged in lessons. Um, mm. And it, it, if we've got a young person who's not engaged in a lesson, then as a, a teaching profession, we sit down and we look at sophisticated ways in which we could do that. Um, or it may be just as simply adapting more towards a child's interest. Perfect. And how can having integra uh, therapy integrated into school benefit a child's learning and well-being? And what sort of integrated therapy in particular do you have on offer at the school? Okay, so therapy is absolutely crucial here, the work that goes on at uh, Bridgeway School. And I'm really blessed with a fantastic team, dedicated team, who are very much part of my team. Um, so they're the same staff members that are here, they're permanent members of staff, which I think is quite unique within the sector. So I have a music therapist, a speech and language therapist, an occupational therapist, and a clinical psychologist and they're all absolutely wonderful so it sounds very obviously those uh, quite i'm just mindful that parents and carers may not be familiar with what do those roles do but in essence I don't what think they I've, do i don't think i've heard of a music therapist what what is that yeah so a music therapist is it's it's a different way in which to engage with a young person because let's face it i don't necessarily sit down and go eye to eye with somebody and have a little chat um, it, we're not comfortable with that. So we do that through music. Oh, right. So it may well be. So young people go in and she's fabulous, mm -hmm. absolutely fabulous. And they will go through and play the piano together. But obviously they're, they're able to have conversations as well. Yeah. Or they may express themselves through music yeah, wow. as well. Um, so, so, and I've just simplified that notion. Yeah. Um, it, it is the benefits of music therapy are huge and we are very blessed to have Ashling on site who, who does all that and the children really do appreciate their time yeah. uh, with, with Ashling. And also we've, we've also found that we've got lots of talented musicians as well through that oh, process really? as well. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But, but uh, so, so as I've mentioned, they're a huge part of the team um, and the benefits to the children are absolutely huge. I mean, um, it allows the children to understand more about themselves. Mm. So each of those therapists will be giving them advice and support, how to get through the day, how to get through the week, but also how to apply that to real life and situations and understanding more about themselves. Yeah. And as I've mentioned, I don't want any child to be apologetic for who they are mm. and the therapy team work with them and explain why they might be feeling like they're feeling. 
if a young person can't connect with their feelings which is very common then we can help them through that yeah. we can we can explain that they might not have that feeling of empathy but then we need to how we you know how can we strategize to work through that and i think the therapy team uh, teach our children lifelong lessons that they'll be able to carry carry forward for the the rest of their lives and i think that's absolutely crucial definitely so do the children have one to one sessions with them how does it how, what's a normal structure look like with the therapist Again, it's very personalised, yeah. so it could be, it may well be that a young person needs one-to-one with each of those therapists. Yeah. We do it. Right. It may well be that a child would benefit from group work, or it may well be that a child's not ready to engage in therapy. Yeah. So what a therapist will do, will liaise with other staff members and give support on how we can help that process. Oh. So they work very much with the teaching staff. They're in the classrooms. They advise the teaching staff because we want that to work. Or it may well be that a, a young person is behaving in a way where we're not, we've not seen this behaviour before so that we'll ask the therapy team, what, what's that telling us? How can we help and support them? Yeah, brilliant. And that brings us nicely to the end of this podcast. Uh, could you provide any websites or resources for parents to access if they're looking for more information on making the transition to an SEN school? Of course. I would say, first of all, have a look at my website, <laughs> Bridgeway School. Have a look. You'll get a flavour there of the schools that are offered throughout the country um, through with the Slack. Um, and you can really see we, we've got news articles. It's live. It's real. We've got articles there about things that are happening within the week um, or what's been happening that half term. Um, the other protocol is to go on to your local authorities local offer page and have a look at the offers there. Um, you'll be familiar with the, the local offer, I'm sure. Um, there it will list what you should be able to achieve. Um, and if you're failing that, if you, if you, you need to speak to someone, speak to uh, Sendias, mm. um, get some advice from them. Um, very, very supportive. I hear real positive things from parents and carers who've really struggled. Um, so, I, you know, speak to Sendias and, and hopefully they can provide you with the uh, the supports that you deserve. And I always say in every, every um, podcast or, or, or presentation, you know, well done for what you're doing because you're doing an amazing job. And the fact that you, you're tuning into this podcast is because you care and you're doing a great job. So keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Oh, that's a lovely way to end the podcast today, Sue. Thank you so much for your time and for answering all the brilliant questions. Um, as Sue mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you're looking for more advice and support or if you're looking for more information on schools that we provide, simply head to our website, withaslackgroup.co.uk, head to our locations and our schools for more information. Thanks again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>